Hey, so glad you could join us this week again for our services online. So glad you could be here. Hey, I want to start out just by asking a question. When is a time in your life where you've been in a situation where you had no idea what to do next? You, you know, those situations where you just feel over your head, you feel inadequate, and you just don't know, man, what, what do I do here, right? Those, those just aren't very fun situations to be in, are they? I know for me, several years ago, before I had kids, uh, I took a team of students to Guatemala on a missions trip to Casa Bernabe Orphanage. And uh, while we were there, one of the nights, uh, they asked us, our team, to, to help um, in the houses while the house parents could have a break. So at that orphanage, they divide the kids up into houses uh, based on age groups. And there's around 20, 25 kids in each house. And so our team wanted to help out because the house parents don't get breaks very often because uh, they're the ones that take care of, of all the kids. And so uh, we walk in, and uh, I walk into a house of uh, preschool and young elementary age uh, kids. And uh, I'll never forget, I walk in, the house parents kind of just give me a, just a quick run through of what needs to be done to get the kids ready for bed and, and what to do. And I'll never forget, as they walk out the door, I turn and I see 25 sets of eyes staring at me. And I have no idea what to do next. I mean, it was before I had kids, and I wouldn't even know what to do with one kid, let alone 25. Uh, and then not to mention the whole language barrier where they didn't speak English, and my Spanish was very, very rusty. And I just remember feeling so overwhelmed, so in over my head, unsure what to do. Have you ever been in those moments where you felt that way? I, I mean, everything worked out okay in, in the end, and everything went fairly smoothly. And uh, our team did a great job. We only lost one kid uh, through the night, so I'd consider that whole night a success. Um, no, seriously, we, we lost one kid. Uh, one of the young teenage guys snuck out of the house, uh, ran down the highway a few miles to a gas station. And, um, but we found him. We got him back safely. So it's not like we really lost him. We just temporarily misplaced a child. Uh, but that's like a 99%, still an A+. I'd consider that, that good in my book. But, but those situations, I bring all that up uh, because I think when we talk about the topic that we're talking about in this series, many of us can feel overwhelmed, uh, in over our head, and unsure what to do next. Uh, if you remember last week, Chris started this series out called For My Neighbor, and we're talking about this mission that God has to reach an entire world and how he wants us to join with him. So the great co-mission, right? We're partnering with God in his mission to reach the world. And last week, Chris talked about Matthew 28, 19, where it says to go into the world and make disciples, right? And he talked about how this uh, word go really means as you are going, as you're living your daily life, uh, as you're going about your daily routines and just the people that you bump into in your daily routines, those are your neighbors. Those are the people that God wants us to reach. And I know uh, many times when we begin to talk about these kind of things in the church, you can begin to feel a little overwhelmed. You can begin to think, man, I, I don't know what to say. I don't know enough scripture. I don't know enough this. And, and you feel like, I, I just don't know what to do next when you find yourself in those situations. And so today I bring this up because I want you to know that you are not alone. Uh, I think there's actually a, a period of time where Jesus' disciples felt exactly how many of us feel uh, in these moments. And we'll take a look at this in Acts chapter 1. So if you have your Bibles, you can open up and turn there. We'll have some of the scripture uh, here on this screen. 
But uh, Acts is a book written by a guy named Luke. Luke was a doctor uh, that traveled around with Jesus' followers and, and wrote down all the eyewitness accounts. And he wrote two books that we have in our Bible. Uh, the first is the Gospel of Luke that records the story of Jesus' ministry uh, and all that he did. And then Luke wrote um, the book of Acts, which is the history of the formation of the church. Uh, and so he wrote uh, eyewitness accounts and some of the things Luke witnessed himself, he wrote down and compiled it all into this book that we have today. And as we pick up the story in Acts chapter 1, uh, you have to realize that Jesus' followers had been on this emotional roller coaster the last period of time. I mean, they'd spent the last three years uh, with Jesus, their teacher, their rabbi, and they let, gave up everything to follow him. And they believed that he was the Messiah, the one that was going to bring about the restoration of the kingdom of Israel. And they had an idea of what that would look like. Uh, a lot of them would think in terms of this political revolution that would overthrow the Roman government that was uh, over Jerusalem at the time. And so these guys followed Jesus and placed their hope in him. And then their leader was arrested and beaten and executed. And all their hope just whoa, faded away. But then three days later, Jesus rises from the dead and comes back and appears to this group of followers. And he meets with them and eats with them and they see him and touch him. And he begins to spend the next 40 days uh, teaching them and being with them. And their hope begins to rise again. And they're realizing, hey, this is our guy and he's the Messiah and he's going to do these amazing things. And then this is where we pick up at the beginning of Acts, Jesus with his disciples. And uh, we pick up in verse 6. And it says this, that when the apostles were with Jesus, they kept asking him, Lord, has the time come for you to free Israel and restore our kingdom? Right? So they're thinking Jesus is the Messiah and they're waiting for him to overthrow this political revolution and bring about the restoration of the kingdom of Israel. And they're asking Jesus, they're like, now's the time. He's back. He rose from the dead. All right, he's our guy. But then Jesus answers him this way. He replied, The Father alone has the authority to set those dates and times, and they are not for you to know. And he goes on. He says, But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, throughout Judea, Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. And then check out what happens next. He says, After saying this, Jesus was taken up into the cloud while they were watching, and they could no longer see him. And as you read on in Acts, you see the disciples just kind of standing there, staring into heaven. They're like, what do we do now? And I, I, I try to imagine what, what they're feeling, like this roller coaster of emotions where they thought that Jesus died, and then he comes back, and they're like, all right, now, now it's time. And then he ascends into heaven, and he leaves them, and they're just like, how are we going to do this without him? How are we going to do this on our own? And I can just imagine them feeling overwhelmed and in over their head, and not sure what to do next. But what Jesus said right before he ascended into heaven, those words were the key, and the disciples would soon find out that those words were the key to how they began to live out the mission that God has called them to do. And for you and for me today, those words are the key for us in partnering with the mission that God has called us on. So let's dive into that phrase that Jesus said before he ascended into heaven. The last words he gave his disciples, he gave his followers on what to do. So before he ascended, he said this, talking about this coming of the Holy Spirit. He said, you will receive power when the Spirit comes upon you. 
Now the disciples, after he left, they were staring, standing there, kind of staring into the sky. And actually it took angels to say, hey, why are you guys staring in the sky, you know? And they go back, and for the next 10 days, for the next 10 days, they're just kind of unsure what to do, and they're meeting together and praying. And then 10 days after Jesus said these words, a dramatic moment happened. The Holy Spirit fell upon them and empowered them. And these disciples began speaking in these other languages. Because at the time in Jerusalem, there's this big feast going on, this big celebration. And there were people from all over, different countries, different regions, different languages that had gathered in Jerusalem to celebrate this feast. And the disciples who had once been just kind of hiding and and praying in this upper room now found themselves empowered by the Spirit out in the streets speaking the languages of the people there, and they are beginning to tell the people in their own language what God has done for them, what Jesus had done and who he is. They begin sharing their experiences. And the same experience, the same way that the Holy Spirit empowered the followers of Jesus to get out and to share that message can be true for you and I today. That when you place your faith and trust in Christ, the Holy Spirit fills you, the very presence of God fills you, and it empowers you to be able to fulfill the mission he's called us to do. So when you find yourself unsure what to say, needing the courage or the strength to step out of your comfort zone, the Holy Spirit is there. In other words, this co-mission is not a solo mission. It's not ours to do on our own. No, we are partnering with what God's doing through the Holy Spirit. And so you are not alone. Right? When it comes to living out this mission, living out the Great Commission, you are not alone. The Holy Spirit wants to work through you, empower you, and give you exactly what you need in the moment you need it to do what God's asked us to do. And the challenge for many of us is actually putting ourselves in the situation where we need that help, where we need that empowerment. I think many of us, because of fear, we kind of just stay back and say, well, I don't know, I'm unsure, so I'm not even going to take this step out of my comfort zone. But when you do that, you are not alone, and the Holy Spirit will empower you to be able to do what God has called you to do. And what is that? It's what Jesus follows up with his next words when he says, you will be my witnesses. What's a witness? A witness, this is a legal term here. Think of a courtroom. A witness is somebody that takes a stand, and they tell what they have seen and what they've experienced. A witness tells what they've seen and what they've experienced. And so Jesus is asking his followers, saying, you know what, the Holy Spirit's going to give you power. He's going to empower you, give you what you need to be able to tell other people what you've seen and what you've experienced. That's what we're called to do. Those are the last words that Jesus gave his followers before he ascended into heaven. Now, while we're talking this courtroom language here, let me point out what Jesus didn't ask his followers to be. Right? Jesus didn't ask his followers to be his attorney. Right? We're not called to win an argument or to change people's minds. Uh, No, that's not our place to do. That's the Holy Spirit's job, to convict and change hearts. Our job is to be a witness, to tell what we've seen and what we've experienced. Jesus didn't ask his followers to be the judge. It's not our job to determine who's guilty and who's innocent. Uh, No, that's Jesus' job. He's going to be the one that judges the world, and he is a just and merciful and gracious judge. No, our job is to share what we've seen and what we've heard. And when we get those mixed up, it causes lots of problems. I've talked to a lot of people that have incredible hurt and incredible pain because the church or or Christians have acted as the judge, jury, and executioner. It's not our role. 
He calls us to take the stand and to talk about what we've seen and what we've experienced. In other words, Jesus is asking us, when he's asking us to be a witness, he's asking us to tell, to tell our story. Right? This is your story, the story of what God has done in your life, and this is what it means to be a witness. So let me break down just real simple, a simple question to help you understand how do you begin to tell your story. Uh, and it's answering this question here. When is the time God has made himself real to you? When is the time that God has made himself real to you? It could be the moment that you made a decision to follow him and place your trust in Christ for the very first time. Uh, it could be a challenging situation that God made himself real to you and gave you the strength and the courage to persevere and overcome that situation. It may be a time of need where God just showed up in a, in a really cool way and provided uh, you what, with what you needed when you needed it. But when is the time that God made himself real to you? And that's how you begin to tell part of your story. Uh, and you can answer these questions to, to kind of help uh, as you're talking about it. You can talk about what, what were the challenges, situations, or experiences that you were facing. And then you can talk about how God showed up in those. How did he make himself real in those situations? How did he show up? How did he provide? And then how did uh, what God did impact your faith or the faith of the people around you? And it's as simple as that. Telling your story is as simple as answering the question, what has God done to make himself real to you? Well, I've asked a few people here at Crossroads to answer that question for us and to share some of their stories. So I want you to check this out. One way the Lord has revealed himself to me was sophomore year of high school. It was just a normal day, and um, in one of my classes, we had some free time, so my teacher decided to put on a movie, and the one that he picked was a horror film. So this one had demon-possessed dolls and witchcraft and just things I know aren't Christ-like, and I wasn't necessarily comfortable watching. And so I called out to God. I was just like, hey, um, I don't want to watch this. <laughs> I don't know if you hear me, but it was just a simple cry. A few minutes later, the projector actually lost signal to the computer that was playing, and so and that was just a time to rejoice for me because I didn't um, have to watch that movie, and he was protecting me in that way, and um, there was no explanation, but I know for a fact that it was my God. Um, my friend sent me a verse the other day that reminds me of the um, day, and it's Psalm 145, 18 through 20, it says, The Lord is near to all who call on him, to all who call on him in truth. He fulfills the desires of those who fear him. He hears their cries and saves them. The Lord watches over all who love him, but all the wicked he will destroy. And it's just a simple reminder that um, God was protecting me and he's faithful. And um, even in the little things that don't seem um, like he would be a part of or be walking with us, uh, he is, and he is good. My story starts five years ago, where I was a divorced dad of three kids, and I was just trying to figure out where my life was going and what I needed to do next. And the fears before 2015 was pretty tough financially, and I felt, my, felt myself losing my faith. I, I tried to go to church when I had the kids to teach them how important it was to have God in their life, and yet I was having this internal struggle inside my heart. I felt like I was giving up on God. And that's when I was introduced to a lovely lady named Kara. And she breathed new life into me. And I know God brought her into my life for a very clear reason. I was lost and I needed direction. I could hear him speaking through her. And sometimes it wasn't easy to hear what was being said, but she taught me that even though I wasn't perfect, that I was loved by God. She taught me to ask God for guidance when dealing with simple day-to-day -day tasks 
and also to seek him for the toughest of days. She taught me to take all my problems to him instead of holding them inside, which I'm still working on that one. I loved her so much that I married her in 2017. We just moved into a new house over Christmas and that has definitely tested our faith. <laughs> From a bathroom remodel to a septic system that could potentially need replaced and we're still praying on that one. And yes, we still sin and no, we're not perfect. But I know deep down in my heart that we can face anything because we have God on our side. God has showed up in a lot of different ways throughout my life. Uh, last year, my wife and my oldest daughter were driving home from a tennis trip. Uh, it was a late winter night, uh, snowy, and my wife hit a patch of ice and they spun out of control towards the side of the road. At one point, my wife looked back at my daughter and said, I'm sorry, as she knew they were going to go over into a ditch and uh, roll down the hill. Miraculously, uh, God protected them and stopped the car uh, right on the edge of that ditch and kept them from going any further down the hill. Even further, a tow truck who happened to be just driving home off duty showed up within a minute of the accident, stopped behind them, ran over, offered his assistance, and got them to safety away from the side of the road and, and towed the truck away. Uh, and it was miraculous that God provided this towman to help and uh, he offered his help free of charge. Uh, and we knew that was God keeping them safe. And that's just one of the many ways in my life God has blessed me and showed up when we needed him to. In my ladies' Sunday school class, we were studying prayer. And that day, he, we had talked about how our Father in Heaven has a storehouse of things He's just waiting to give us, but we don't ask. So different women in my life were encouraging me to start dating. I had been divorced for a while. So I prayed and I thought, Lord, if you want me to date, then I want you to bring me the man. And he did. His name was Mike. We started our relationship by texting on Memorial Day weekend four years ago. So during my morning walk that day, I was really feeling uncertain. I'm like, Lord, if this is what you want me to do, you're really gonna have to show me. Well, he stopped me cold on the sidewalk and he gave me the verse, forget the former things, don't dwell on the past, I'm gonna do a new thing. And I knew right then that he had a plan in this. So we talked and it was great. I was loving being in this relationship, but at the same time, I was fighting it a little too. But God had to show me again through his word. And when he spoke to Abram and he said, to leave your family, your household, your country, and I'm gonna bring you to a new place and you're gonna prosper. And if that wasn't enough, he had to show me one more verse when he spoke to Joshua, he said, don't be afraid, don't be discouraged. I'm gonna be with you wherever you go. Well, I got the message and three years ago, I married Mike. It's been a great journey. Um, I've loved how God has connected the dots in my life and he brought me to a new family and crossroads, new friends, a new job. Um, and people for me to tell this story to people for you guys to understand that God's got this and he has a plan. So trust him in your journey. You'll never know who, he, who is waiting to hear your story. He's faithful to all of us. I'm so thankful for uh, the people being willing to share some of their stories and just let you give you a little glimpse of some of the things that God has done in their life. And I, and I wanted to point out to you just a couple of things. One, did you notice the variety of different stories? That there's no one right or wrong way to, to tell your story. There's no right or wrong way to be a witness because all of us are unique and God interacts with us in unique ways. And so we're going to have unique stories and experiences to be able to share. 
Uh, and the other thing that I wanted to point out is uh, just the wide variety and ways that you could communicate those things. And so what happens is as you're going through your life, right, as, as you are going, you're just doing your daily routine and you're bumping into the people that God brings into your life, as you start listening to their stories and what they're going through, they may talk about a situation that you've experienced yourself. And then you can share your story and you can say, you know what, I know exactly what you're going through. I've experienced that too. And let me tell you how God showed up in the situation. Let me tell you what God did for me here. And then you tell your story. Then you be a witness and tell what you've seen and what you've experienced. And I know maybe uh, you say, you know, look, my, my story is, I don't have a really a big story to tell. It's not amazing. It's not dramatic. And there, there, there's nothing really for me to do. And so how, how can my story really make a difference? This is what I want to point out. That the last command that Jesus gave his followers before he ascended to heaven was to be a witness, to tell their stories. But then if you fast forward through scripture, then we get to Revelation, which gives us a glimpse at the end of time, and you see the power of those stories. So Revelation is a a letter written to a bunch of churches by John. John was one of Jesus' best friends, and uh, towards the end of his life, he writes this letter to, to churches who were facing incredible opposition in their faith. And he wanted to encourage them to to remain steady and to to continue on. And so he gives them a glimpse uh, of of the end of days and lets them know that Jesus wins in the end, that Jesus will return, he will establish his kingdom forever, and he wins, that the church is victorious. And he's writing those letters to help encourage them. And so we can find encouragement in this moment. So in Revelation uh, chapter 12, Verse 11, John writes this, and he gives us a glimpse of two ways that the church overcomes the evil in the world, overcomes Satan and those evil forces. And he says this, he says, they triumph over him by the blood of the lamb and by the word of their testimony. Two things, the blood of the lamb, that's the gospel story. That's the story of what Jesus has done for you and for me and for every human being on this planet. That he has had victory over sin and death and the grave and he has come to establish his kingdom and he is inviting us to partner in with him and to come in under his grace and be a part of his story. The blood of the lamb makes all of this possible, makes this victory possible. What Jesus did on the cross, it's the gospel story. But as you notice, it's not that alone. There's a second thing that brings victory for the church. It's the word of their testimony. Again, it's that courtroom language. Who gives a testimony? A witness. A witness gives the testimony. So the very thing that Jesus asked his followers to do before he ascended into heaven is the very thing that brings victory for the church. Being a witness, sharing your story. And so this is where I want to connect the dots. Your story has power. Your story brings victory for the church. God uses the word of your testimony, you being a witness, you sharing what you've seen and what you've heard to bring about that victory. So your story, whether you think it's an amazing story or not, your story has power. And God has asked us to share our stories. So the question is, what's your story? What is your story? What are the ways that God has shown up in your life has made himself real to you, has provided, has encouraged, has challenged. Maybe the times that you were headed in one direction and he grabbed your heart and turned you another. Ways that he came through incredible obstacles or brought people into your life at the time that you needed it the most. What are those stories? 
So last week, Chris had you throughout the week pray and try to identify who is your neighbor. Who are the people that you bump into in your daily routine? This week, my challenge for you is to pray and identify what is your story? What are those times in your life that God made himself real to you? And my challenge to you is to write it down. Write it down because you're going to be more likely to remember it and have it in the back of your mind. Then when you're out and about talking to people and those situations come up, you're going to be able to pull that out and you're going to be able to share the encouragement with them to say, you know what, I know what you've been going through. I've experienced that too. And this is how God showed up for me. And I think he'll do the same for you. All right, so what is your story? Pray about that. Have God bring those to your mind. Write them down. And then stories are meant to be told. So next week, Chris will be back, and he'll be talking about how we take our stories and tell them to our neighbors and see what God does with them. Because your stories have power. And your, your job is simply to be a witness, to share what you've seen and what you've experienced. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for all that you have done. And we celebrate when we say that we, are, we can overcome by the blood of the Lamb. And Jesus, we say thank you so much for what you've done on the cross, for purchasing our freedom, that we can join into your kingdom and join into your movement and find that peace and mercy and grace. And God, we want to share that story with the entire world. But God, I also thank you that you give each of us a story too, that we have a role to play in that. And you've shown up in our lives in a million different ways. So God, bring those to our mind and help us understand what you did, identify that, and then be able to share that and to be able to tell what we've seen and what we've experienced. And then we invite you, Holy Spirit, to come in and to fill us, to give us the courage, to give us the words, and to empower us to do what you've called us to do, to join in with you on your mission to reach our neighbors here, next door, in our community, and across the globe. And so, Jesus, may it be for your honor and glory and power. In your name we pray. Amen.